state of city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people i mean it's just like like you put all the offensive players in one bag and i just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag so each time he came over there i tried to tear his damn head off let's play some football let's play some football the pressure is on this is off the edge on tide 100.9 focus on what you want to do what you want to accomplish Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish in going undefeated and winning the national championship. Screaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome in to Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama, Crimson Tide Sports, Jacob Harrison here with you, digital managing editor of Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa, J.R. Moore, Kate ba- Bagwell, I'm going to get it right, I know your name, I know how to say your name, just so happens I know somebody else whose last name is Blackwell, and it makes it very difficult, <laughs> obviously there's uh, not... Not much mystery as to what we're going to talk about today. And if you want to react to the UCLA, USC, two Big Ten news, would love to hear from you. 205-342-9904. No guest on a Friday, per usual. Mostly just going to be reacting to this bizarre scenario, which really honestly shouldn't be all that bizarre to us if we've been paying any molecule of attention to the nature of college football over the past couple of years. You know, it wasn't so long ago that 2013 happened and there was a massive conference realignment, right? When, when A&M and Missouri come to the SEC, Pac-12 shook up a little bit, Nebraska went up to the Big Ten. It was a bunch of teams all at one time and they were kind of vying for opportunity and money, right? Well, now things are changing much more rapidly and much more terrifyingly. See, those teams that left before, maybe they had had some prestige behind their names, but they were not the blue bloods of college football. And make no mistake, other sports, the the non-revenue-generating sports, you're just going to have to deal with this one because this is proof positive that football is king in all of this. 
USC and UCLA moving on to the Big Ten in 2024 is in itself quite terrifying for the future of college football, but also something that should not be as shocking as so many people seem to think that it maybe kind of is. See, remember uh, when I came back to the show a few weeks ago? And Joe was asking, if you're the SEC and you're and and we're looking ahead and potentially getting to the point of just super duper conferences, since 16 was already supposed to be a super conference. I mean, now we're looking ahead to these enormous conferences that span the length, the width, however you want to look at that, of the country. Who are you going after? And I said Stop with the with the the pet with the the silliness. Don't go after programs that are not elite. Go after programs that are money makers and make your conference better from day one. And I'll be honest, you can look at USC and UCLA and kind of compare that to bringing in a Clemson, a Florida State, or a uh, Miami into the SEC. I think you'd be fair to do that, especially after the Pac-12's complete and total lack of success over the past 10 to 12 years. But blue bloods nonetheless. See, when I came in and said, and, and Joe asked me, what teams are you bringing to the SEC? I said, go dismantle the Big Ten because that is that is 1B right now in the landscape of Power 5 college football. It's SEC and Big Ten, and they are much, much closer, I think, than SEC fans would like to admit. But at least on the revenue-generating side, they are neck and neck. At least on the grip we have on our fan base side of things, they are neck and neck. Big Ten football matters just as much to that portion of the country as SEC football does down here. You don't want to admit that. That's fine. I've, I've seen evidence of it. I can believe it. Pac-12 football, not so much. And especially for the two teams that are jumping ship from the Pac-12, which, honestly, is going to be the Pac-10 again. But this is why you go get those teams is because it's money. There is a lot of money in USC versus Ohio State, in USC versus Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. There's money in that. And the same money exists with UCLA as well, which honestly has been on the upswing of a pretty downward momentum swing over the past 10, 12 years. As it stands, the Big Ten made a very profitable move and it made a move that honestly you the first thing that a lot of people jumped to was you know obviously the memes and the jokes that's what we live for usc versus rutgers literally i mean almost literally as far away as possible as you can get when it comes to division one fbs college football and they're going to be in the same conference yeah. And then others want to joke a USC versus Rutgers soccer game on a Thursday. Sure. See the thing about NIL and we can look at the A&M thing and, and kind of go back and forth on what NIL is supposed to be. At the end of the day, what NIL is supposed to be is capitalism. And what NIL is supposed to be is you get out what you put in. And if your soccer program is good enough to play on a Thursday, despite that length of travel, you'll play. If it's not, why are you playing? Is there really that much soccer talent in the world? Is there really that much softball talent in the world? Is there really that much X, Y, and Z talent in the world? And you could say the same thing about football, but I would, I would caution you to remember that, a great portion of the country cares more about a power five program than the local group of five or FCS program. Those come down to community and tradition and so on and so forth. And you can say the same about the non revenue generating sports and 
you're fine with it. But the point is, is as college athletics evolves, it's going to have to adapt. And when you evolve, you take on new strengths and you leave old weaknesses behind. It's a painful thing to have to say out loud. It really, really is. But as somebody who played NAIA football, not everybody honestly deserves the chance to continue to play college athletics. It kind of just is what it is at that point. And this kind of helps solidify that because what this is ultimately pointing to, I believe, and I think a lot of other people's minds went the same way, is eventually we're going to get to the point where there is a power five split from the group of five. And that, honestly, those terms are already starting to be outdated. Because without USC and UCLA, is the Pac-12, soon to be Pac-10, really a power conference? Just as Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, does that make the Big 12 a power conference? And honestly, you know, as I'm looking through some of these updates of things that have happened over the past 24 hours with this, the Alliance is as good as dead. You remember the Alliance, the big 10, the PAC 12, the big 12, all trying to make sure that they stymied the college football playoff. Well, they did that. And then the big 10 plucked away two of college football's blue blood programs and brought them in despite the geography not making any sense. If the geography no longer makes any sense for a power conference, then moving forward, it's not going to matter at all. And that's why look at the Pac-12 and the Big 12 right now and them saying, oh, we're without elite programs. We still have a modicum (laughs) of respect between one another. We still have a little bit there from the Alliance. Should we see about taking the best programs from both conferences and mashing them together? Now, the problem with that is going to be that the big 12 has already signed contracts to bring on four new schools. So if the big, you know, the big 12 was already 10 teams. Now it's getting back to 12 teams. By adding in four after losing two, uh, that I, I think that's how math works. I hope I'm not wrong. Seemed pretty simple. Twelve plus ten is a big ass conference, and I don't know that anybody's necessarily ready for that. At least not. At least not just yet. Contracts being what they are a lot of the evolution of college athletics does have to be slow. And keep that in mind with the fact that TV contracts and and the like are a big reason why USC and UCLA announced when they did. Their contracts with the Pac-12 are why it was the last day that they could announce. The contracts with the Big Ten and and Fox and and the the TV aspect of it was a big reason as to why they wanted USC and UCLA to make the move. The Big Ten did. Because it's all going to come down to money. The Big Ten is in the midst. This coming straight from David Cobb at CBS Sports. The Big Ten is in the midst of negotiating a new TV deal that would likely begin in 2023, which could reportedly be worth more than $1 billion per year. And adding USC and UCLA to that package may very well boost the monetary value of what the Big Ten is inheriting. There. Eventually, college football is going to have to either separate itself from other college athletics so that those have a chance to swim and get to a point where there is a whether I, I don't know FAS. I mean, if you, <laughs> we've already got FBS and FCS or something. To the point where there is elite college football. We are understood. This is what the elite college football conference division is. And you take that and you let it be. And you let it run the course of the future of college football. A lot of jokes 
have come up and what are we going to name the two big conferences? Because look at look at professional sports, which is honestly where college sports is heading, especially football. They generally have two conferences that span the country, right? And some of them are East and West, like the NBA and NHL. It's fine. But look at the NFL. It has conferences that are countrywide, North, East, South, and West. And then it's down to divisions. You play your entire conference as well. Everybody moves on and has a good time. You could see something similar happening in college football. Obviously, that division would be much bigger. I think if you cut down to just the actual power conference teams that really want to be at the top of the mountain of college football and have the financial means to do so. We've talked about this a lot in in the idea behind how NIL is evolving college football and so much more, and I'm sure I'm scaring the hell out of a lot of people right now. But if you are create a system where there is a buy-in by the programs to have the ability to play in that division, there's a buy-in every single year, and that buy-in goes towards an NIL situation where that is able to be used as a cap. So to keep the parity existent, those programs still recruit with the understanding that NIL deals are also on the way, and no one really has more of an advantage over the other outside of the things that have always been the advantageous, the 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 legitimate recruiting pitches, whether it be uh, home, you know distance, location, that sort of thing, traditional values, coaching, roster management, ability to get somebody to the NFL, playing time, so on and so forth. And in doing that, maybe you allow the high school athletes that can't play at that level, they still have an opportunity to go play somewhere else for the love of the game. Because here's the thing. The love of the game is a requirement to be elite at it, I think. I truly believe that. Can you be really, really good at it? Yes. Can you, you know, so on and so forth. No, you have to love the game to be really good at it. But that's not the only thing it takes. Because I love the game. I love it. You love it. But we're not good at it. And therefore, we have to find different ways to be involved in it. If you are good at it, you should be compensated for it. You should be allowed to, to make that money. That, that argument has already come and gone. The Supreme Court made its judgment call on that. And said that not doing so would be flatly illegal. So we move forward with a capitalistic idea to allow these players to make what they are due. And that leads into colleges, programs, conferences, TV, all having to do what they have to do to capitalize on the situation. Because the more money that is poured into the players the more money is going to be poured into college football, period. The more lucrative the business of it becomes. The more that these players are able to show who they are and be available to the public, the more it benefits the wide scale of what college football is. So as we head towards something that is terrifying for many college football fans that involves professionalism and involves conferences that span the countryside and involves a dramatic split in talent level. Yet again, it's necessary. It's necessary to, ta- to, to, to split that talent level again because there is another gap. And to not acknowledge that gap is silly and it's disrespectful to the group of five, to be honest, to the Sun Belt, to the the Mac to the Conference USA's it, it's disrespectful to, to them it honestly is so as college football begins to evolve and it takes on new strengths that allows it to 
create more money for itself by having super conferences, by having players that can make a ridiculous amount of money before they ever play a snap in college football. But because they were so good at high school, you have to give them that opportunity the same way you would in the NFL coming out of college because that makes sense. All of those things lead to wide-scale change and the professionalization of college football. How it affects basketball, how it affects the non-revenue-generating sports, I've got an idea of it, but that's not my that's not my lane. So I'll stay out of it for the most part as much as I possibly can, outside of what I said earlier. The, the fact of the matter is, is that for football, as I said months ago, probably about a year ago, when I was first making the arguments for NIL on this show when it got moved to this current time slot, college football is never going to die. College football is never going to do things to ruin itself. College football is never going to do anything that makes people turn off the television. And it wasn't so long ago that I referenced something that Josh Pate had said where he said, well, you can think that, but look at baseball and boxing. And I entertained the argument of how those sports did fall from grace a little bit. But honestly, step back and see, does NIL and does the transfer portal mean that the product becomes worse? Because look at look at boxing and look at baseball. And I'm sorry, JR. But the product has gotten worse. And the product has stagnated. For college football, these evolutions, especially for the younger fan base, say what you will, they're exciting. See, to me, I find it absolutely hilarious that after 12 years, we're finally going to get this new college football video game, and, but, and the day that it drops is probably going to be outdated because some conference realignment is going to be announced. Something wild is going to happen. Some big-name guy is going to transfer, whatever. That chaos can be exciting to a lot of people. But on the grand scheme of things, there might just be some structure to college football. And that's what it has missed all along. College sports in general have missed structure, but my understanding of football helps me to understand that this sport has lacked any type of structure for entirely way too long. And if short, if, if shrinking the number of conferences and shrinking down the number of teams that are worthy of being called Power 5 or Power 3 or Power 2 conferences or whatever terminology we come up with that's better than the Alliance, if that is enough to make college football have a bit of structure that's worth something, and allows players to have basic human rights as, as student-athletes, but also do what's in their best interest, and then eventually, eventually, I don't know who needs to be over college football. I don't know if it's the college football playoff, or if it needs to just be ESPN, or if it needs to just be Fox, or if it needs to just be some new thing that is born out of these new conferences, or if the NCAA can get its head out of its ass, get off its thumbs, and actually make some progress as to being some a some sort of authority over this and make rules and, and structures that exist, then you'll have your structure. Then you'll have something that can that can sustain what it has always been as far as traditional values, as far as the idea of the campus and the student athlete. You can sustain all of those things with these evolutionary changes, I believe. And if you can do that and create structure, then the sport is getting better, not regressing and not stagnating. Because that's what boxing and, and baseball did. It stagnated or it got worse. Not every evolutionary change for college football is immediately going to be a good thing. Right? I'm looking at Notre Dame's name right here. And how the athletic director at Ohio State, who is a Notre Dame alum, 
you know, says, I hope they consider moving to a conference. And I don't like Notre Dame. And one of those reasons is because they refuse to be in a conference. But Ryan Fowler has joked about it a lot. What's the benefit of Alabama being in the SEC before all of this has started to happen? Now these ridiculous TV deals come and now you see the benefit. Notre Dame can pull all of that on its own. Notre Dame has basic exclusivity with NBC to have their game shown on that channel. It's like the only college football you can see on the channel. Notre Dame is one of the very few programs that can do it. Notre Dame's going to have to give up some power to be in a conference sooner or later. And it's not going to be in their best interest. There are things that won't work for everybody. There are things within the structure and, and the slow pace of it all because of these contracts. Some schools are going to get left behind. Some rivalries are going to get left behind. And some bad things are going to happen. I'll be honest with you. I wonder about the future of the Iron Bowl. Not that it wouldn't exist, but I wonder about the future of its legitimacy if Alabama sustains success after Nick Saban's retirement and Auburn is left in a stagnant mode because of the addition of Texas and Oklahoma to the conference and they can't get back over the hump. And that that program has won its last national championship. Now, I think some of you maybe really relish that idea and would love to beat beat the holy hell out of them 50 to nothing every single year, and that's all well and good. But eventually, if college football starts to become more about the bottom line than it ever has, and it's always been about it, it just always hasn't been as public about it, if that becomes the case, games like that suffer, and games like that go away. And that's a worry. There's plenty to be worried about and plenty to be excited about and plenty to be skeptical. Wow, I had that word, and then it just ran away. Skeptical. There's plenty for it. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. So if you have a different way of looking at it, I'd love to hear it. Honestly, 205-342-9904. Here on Off the Edge, we'll take a break and come back, continue the conversation on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Delving. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Scattered showers and thunderstorms around through the evening hours. Today's high 89, the low tonight 71. Very similar weather tomorrow. Partly sunny with scattered showers and storms by afternoon, the high 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best new analysis in T-Town. Hey, I got a stat for you. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues on Tide 100.9. your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Talking the the move of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Now, reports are that Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and many others in the Pac-12 are going to be staying still, whether or not the Big 12 and the Pac-12, which had shown some some conversations when Texas and Oklahoma left, uh, whether or not they engage in, in conversations again, that remains to be seen. What I do find interesting is that Washington releases a statement that says, we are disappointed by the news that UCLA and USC are leaving the PAC 12 conference, a conference with such rich tradition and history. We have been in close contact with our leadership and peers in the PAC 12 and are working together to examine options and opportunities. It's an interesting 
sentence. The University of Washington has a distinguished record of success at the highest levels in and out of competition, and it is in a strong position as we process this development. We are confident that we will continue to increase the, tr- the strength of our athletic programs and the success and well-being of our student-athletes. That didn't sound to me like a program that intends to stay put. See, that's that's the bizarre part of many of the Big 12 programs after Texas and Oklahoma left and why the Big 12 kind of is in such a weird spot. The Big 12 lost its two premier programs and replaced it with four group of five teams, one of which has historical success but has been middling since leaving uh since leaving the conference and going independent another has had recent success but has very much crashed back down the earth and another being the first team to make the college football playoff as a group of five program though it just lost all of the talent that got it there see the big 12 did not replace Oklahoma and Texas it replaced vacancies, right? No, none of those four teams are going to live up to Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. None of I mean, the big 12 is going to be stagnant. It's going to suffer and it may as well not be a power five conference to be completely honest. How is the PAC 12 going to do that too? Now let's, let's not act like the PAC 12 lost in terms of football and the equivalent of Texas and Oklahoma, I think that would be slightly silly, slightly uh, sensational. USC hasn't won as many Big 12 championships, nor has UCLA. Uh, excuse me, they, neither of these teams has won as many Pac-12 championships between them in the past 12 years as Texas and Oklahoma have, even though Oklahoma won, I, I think, almost all of them. Now, that's not to say the historical ramifications and the non-revenue generating sports that are behind that don't create their own value as well. But when it comes to football, the Pac-12 is in a weird spot. Yeah, let's point out the teams that are most likely staying, right? Oregon, Washington, Stanford. How about Utah? Right? How about a team that actually, you know, won the championship last year? How about a team that honestly for the past couple of seasons has been a lot closer to making the college football playoff than a lot of people want to admit? That first team you named can't get past the Utah Utes. It chokes every single time they play. Washington has been nothing but good defenses for several years now. They can't get over the hump. Stanford has been pretty bad since Harbaugh left. Arizona has been awful. Arizona State has gone through uh, some issues off the field recently uh, during the the pandemic. Colorado's not winning the Pac-12 anytime soon. Cal's not winning the Pac-12 anytime soon. Oregon State is not winning the Pac-12 anytime soon. Washington State is not. You see where I'm going with this. It's not. It's just like the Big 12. The problem is, is that the Big 12 at least had a national contender throughout its misery. The Pac-12 has not. Oregon has sniffed it up there. Utah has sniffed it up there. These two teams that are leaving have not. So to stand firm, I feel like is the wrong play. It would be similar to what the Big 12 is doing. And if you follow that route, you're going to go the way of the Big East. You're going to be dissolved. See, it's similar with the ACC. The longer the ACC holds out in bringing anybody in, the more likely it is that there's not going to be anyone to bring in, and there's only going to be teams to leave. Because say what you will, Miami, Florida State, they want a paycheck. They want to feel much more comfortable about their conference, even if they're not successful. Clemson wants to remain successful, I'm sure. North Carolina is a brand in and of itself as well, 
And when you pair it with Duke, you've got something very special on the basketball side. That is very alluring to either the Big Ten or the SEC, which North Carolina could fit into both. So as and yeah, sure, that's all the value the ACC has. But eventually, if it wants to make sure that this is a power three situation and not a power two, it's going to have to start absorbing somebody. And again, I go back to the early portions of the conversation. If I'm pulling from anybody, I am taking those that feel marginalized. I am taking those that feel like they're not in a position to win championships, but have monetary value behind their names, much like what the Big Ten has done with USC and UCLA. I'm pulling in a Penn State. I'm pulling in a a Wisconsin and Iowa. I'm pulling in a a big-time player that knows how to win games and has value behind its name, and I'm pulling them in. At least I'm doing something if I'm the ACC. Because if the Pac-12 goes the same direction with this as the Big 12 did, it's only going to lose. Going down into the group of five, there's no one else left to take. The Big 12 took the only viable options. And after having lost two cornerstone members of your conference, it's going to be hard to go into another Power 5 conference and take away. So what the Pac-12 ought to do, honestly, is find some sort of resolution with the Big 12. Standing firm, probably not the best idea. Almost definitely not. And all of this is going to happen very, very soon. It's going to be 2024 before you all know it. It'll be 2025 before we know it, too. And all of this chaos in college football, this is just, you know, Oklahoma and Texas was just the beginning last year. I get that. But it's only been less than one calendar year because we found out about that at SEC Media Days. It's been less than one calendar year. We're one calendar year to the day of NIL being open. I mean, we are in a fast-moving evolution of college football. And this is really just the beginning. This is just year one. Just year one. Imagine what can continue to happen to college football. We'll take a break and come back here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama. Crimson Tide Sports. This is a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. I am J.R. Moore, and we are 64 days away from Alabama football. Junior right-handed pitcher Lexi Kilfoyle made her official transfer yesterday with her commitment to Oklahoma State. Now down Kilfoyle, Alabama only has three pitchers going into the 2023 season. This season, Alabama women's basketball is set to play in the Bahamar Hoops Pink Flamingo Championship held in Nassau, Bahama. There'll be one of eight teams. This has been a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 Sports Update. Run it again! For more info on these stories and more, download the Tide 100.9 app. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Back here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports, 205-342-9904 if you want to join the show. You're more than welcome to Texas A&M. You know, I, I'm going to steal this one from the, the Reddit uh, college football account. It's a pretty, pretty 
good on AM to to get USC and UCLA to to switch conferences just for a smokescreen to draw attention away from whatever it is this recruiter thought he was doing was a good idea. Telling these players, y'all are getting a lot of money from the people behind these suites if you decide to come play here while they're in Kyle Field pointing up at the rafters. And here's the thing. It's not breaking the rules. It's not. I don't think it is. I think there's a certain perspective you kind of have to have on it. I think there's a reasonable way to think that it is breaking the rules. I don't think it is because it's not a straight up offer of money. It's not a, uh, this is a monetary value of what you are going to get by coming here. It's none of that because the players on that field, if you're good enough to be recruited by Texas A&M, you're good enough to be recruited by anybody. The players on that field know they're getting paid wherever they go. And they know that it's by the boosters, most likely. Mostly. I mean, come on. Collectives are what they are. Collectives aren't supposed to be legal. They're not. They're a workaround. They're a loophole. It's not... It's not out of place to tell a player the same thing that he's going to expect everywhere else. That being said, this recruiter is saying something that based off of what I just said, does not bear saying, don't tell players that you don't need to incentivize them with money and make it even kind of close to showing that you break the rules. Because here's the thing. Jimbo could be telling the full truth. And my perspective on this could be right, that they're not breaking rules by saying this. But when you say things like this and it gets picked up and it's recorded and it's put out into the universe as it has been, people are going to think you are breaking the rules, especially with how harshly you defended yourself, Jimbo Fisher. To act like Nick Saban was coming after you. To act like Nick Saban had spoken ill against you in an unforgivable manner. Because, make no mistake, the entire thing was a big misunderstanding. The whole Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher thing was one big misunderstanding from Jimbo Fisher not understanding that Nick Saban was making a larger point and that he wasn't coming directly after his program. At the end of the day, what you recruit your players with is what creates those is what creates the type of player that you're going to have. Y'all remember early in the offseason something about uh, A&M and Alabama players were kind of getting into it on social media. You know, it, it was the, the kid that went to A&M and said, I don't see a lot of trophies here. And then he went to Alabama and he saw the trophies and he's like, huh, 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 yeah. Remember the reactions of some of the A&M players and saying, oh, he ain't it. He ain't it. No, he kind of is. Because here's the thing about A&M and why October 8th is going to be so awesome. A&M thinks it's something. Texas A&M thinks that it has surpassed Texas by such a, a leap and bound that it can never be overtaken again. It has inherited much of the same arrogance that plagues the Longhorn fan base and program. A&M has a sincere problem right now where it thinks like a blue blood, but it has done none of the blue blood things. A&M has this problem that is ingrained so deeply that the Aggies basically 
had one goal last year, and that was beat Alabama. And they did it. Good job. Congrats. You didn't play in the national championship game, A&M. You didn't even play in the SEC championship game, A&M, because you couldn't beat Arkansas. You couldn't beat Mississippi State. You couldn't, you couldn't win games that you should be winning. And the year prior, you won those games. You beat Florida. You, you did it kind of risky, not going to lie. But you beat Florida. But you lost to Alabama. And that meant you couldn't go to the college football playoff. And I don't know why you want, would want to hold a grudge over one program for your inability to win a football game, but you did. So when you're recruiting your players, maybe, just maybe, don't talk about the monetary things that they're going to get anywhere. Talk about winning championships. Talk about rebuilding and reviving a culture to go win titles. Because that's what Nick Saban did. Has Nick Saban always played squeaky clean? I doubt it, honestly, just from common sense alone. But go back to those stories from Julio Jones on why he came here and why so many of those guys came here. It's to come win championships. It's to come go to the league. It's It's to come and be a part of competition. It's not to come in here and get Dodge Chargers. It's not to come in here and get any type of monetary value. Five-star cornerback Jaleel Hurley on his Instagram shared the video. And he says, forget that. I need a ring. That's the kind of player I want on my team. I don't want the player that's just chasing dollar bills. Get your bag. Please do. I've advocated for it. I'm begging you. Get all the money you can. You deserve it. But if it is your lone focus, if it is your lone focus, you are not going to get as much as you possibly can. Because like I said, every player in that video and off off screen of it, every person that that coach is talking to, that recruiter is talking to, is going to get their money. They're good enough already to be talked to, talk to about getting money in the near future. You don't need to persuade them with it. They're young adults. They're not children. That's the bizarre part of recruiting is oftentimes you're talking to to people for years as they grow into adults and you continue to treat them like children. That's not what the sport is about. Get your money. You deserve it. You get more of it. When you're successful, you get more of it. When you're good, you get more of it. When you win titles, AM, if you want to talk like a big blue, blue blood, if you want to talk like one of the elite power programs, then come in and win a championship of any kind, literally in football, you'll get the players. You will. It's that simple. Do you want to close it down now, Jerry? You want to take a break? Jr. you want to close it down now or you want to take a break? All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back and close down the show here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9 is celebrating a birthday. America's birthday. July 4th in downtown Tuscaloosa. Join us live for all the excitement as fireworks light up the sky shortly after dark. Turn us up on the radio for the soundtrack that goes with each boom you'll see. Happy 4th of July. Presented by America's Thrift Store in Tuscaloosa. It's a fun-filled fourth from downtown T-Town this Monday night. Happy Fourth of July. For more details, tap the app. Looking for something for the kids to do? Send them to the Sanderson Basketball Academy, July 11 through 14, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can email me at barrysanderson at hotmail.com. I'll send you a flyer. Let the kids learn to play the right way. Do it at the Sanderson Basketball Academy out at Tuscaloosa Academy. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mixture of clouds and sunshine this afternoon. Scattered showers and thunderstorms around through the evening hours. Today's high 89, the low tonight 71. 
very similar weather tomorrow. Partly sunny with scattered showers and storms by afternoon. The high 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow off the edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the edge with Jacob Harrison continues. All right, that'll do it for us on a Friday edition of Off the Edge. Big thanks to J.R. Moore and Cade Bagwell behind the board for helping us out. I'll see you on Tuesday. I hope you you have a fun and safe holiday weekend. Uh, no drinking and driving, no drinking and fireworks. Those are those two things that just don't mix very well. So, you have firework plans this weekend? I hate fireworks. No, I do not. <laughs> now, if you want, you, you go right around town. The uh, Our music sister stations, they're going to have us synced up with the uh, amphitheater's fireworks. So, you know, have a good time. Go out there and have a good time. That's not my thing, but. It's very fun <laughs> to watch from the river if you are a fireworks person. There you go. You go go do it. Go have fun. Uh, I'll just chill out at the house. <laughs> I'll see you on Tuesday. Y'all be safe. Have a good time. Roll Tide, everybody. <laughs>